date is Sunday, February 28th. We are reading from the big book of AA, pages 80 through pages 82. Kira from New York. Oh, excuse me. Let's just do the reader first. The reader of the text is Amy B. And it will be followed by a 20 minute share by Kira from New York. Okay, so go ahead and start reading, Amy. Thank you, Maria. Good morning, my name is Amy B. Very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The chances are that we have domestic troubles. Perhaps we are mixed up with women in a fashion we wouldn't care to have advertised. We doubt if, in this respect, alcoholics are fundamentally much worse than other people, but drinking does complicate sex relations in the home. After a few years with an alcoholic, a wife gets worn out, resentful and uncommunicative. How could she be anything else? The husband begins to feel sorry, lonely, sorry for himself. He commences to look around in the nightclubs or their equivalent for something besides liquor. Perhaps he is having a secret and an exciting affair with the girl who understands. In fairness, we must say that she may understand, but what are we going to do about a thing like that? A man so involved often feels very remorseful at times, especially if he is married to a loyal and courageous girl who has literally gone through hell for him. Whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. If we are sure our wife does not know, should we tell her? Not always, we think. She knows in a general way that we have been wild, should we tell her in detail? Undoubtedly, we should admit our fault. She may insist on knowing all the particulars. She will want to know who the woman is and where she is. We feel we ought to say to her that we have no right to involve another person. We are sorry for what we have done and God willing, it shall not be repeated. More than that, we cannot do. We have no right to go further. Though there may be justifiable exceptions and though we wish to lay down no rule of any sort, we have, also found, we have often found this the best course to take. Our design for living is not a one-way street. It is as good for the wife as for the husband. If we can forget, so can she. It is better, however, that one does not needlessly name a person upon whom she can vent jealousy. Perhaps there are some cases where the utmost frankness is demanded. No outsider can appraise such an intimate situation. It may be that both will decide that the way of good sense and loving kindness is to let bygones be bygones. Each might pray about it, having the other one's happiness uppermost in mind. Keep it always in sight that we are dealing with that most terrible human emotion, jealousy. Good generalship may decide that the problem be attacked on the flank rather than risk a face-to-face -face combat. If we have no such complication, there is plenty we should do at home. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is keep sober. Certainly he must keep sober for there will be no home if he doesn't. But he is yet a long way from making good to the wife or parents whom for years he has so shockingly treated. Passing all understanding is the patience mothers and wives had had with alcoholics. Had this not been so, many of us would have no homes today would perhaps be dead. The alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. 
Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who came up out of his cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife, he remarked, don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? Thank you so much for reading, Amy. And now I'd like to introduce our speaker. Our speaker's name is Kira and she's from New York. And I'm very excited to have her speak for us today. And I'm really, um, I'm really um, grateful to be listening to her and I'm really um, waiting expectantly to hear what she has to say. So welcome Kira. Hi, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, hi everyone, good morning. Uh, my name is Kira. I am a recovered compulsive reader from New York and also bulimic. Um, I just wanted to start by expressing how very grateful I am uh, to be speaking here today and for all of the gifts that I have been given um, and all that I've learned from sitting here each Sunday. So thank you, <laughs> um, everyone. I came into OA at 22 in November of 2018 and leading up to to that, I was completely broken, completely broken down. I've always, as far back as my memories go, I have had issues with my body, with my mind, with food, and I always found relief in food and substances. And I always preferred to numb out and stuff down and self-isolate rather than to feel and deal. Um, with the things going around, going on around me and in me. And by the time I was 17, through just, just terrible eating habits and already having this disease, I was about 240 pounds. And that was hard to be, you know, in high school and to weigh that much. And when I went away to college, all of the things that got me there, the, the binging, the secrecy, the sneaking, continued. Um, but at a certain point, I then found out how to uh, purge as well. And it, it was just a horrific journey on this other end of the spectrum. And it was the thing that I loved the most, the food. Um, I couldn't, you know, turn off the mental obsession, the craving, the phenomenon of craving. Um, so I would do the thing that I desperately did not want to do, which was eat. Um, and then I would immediately try to hit the undo button uh, by purging. And it was just very sick. And I was decaying in front of my very own eyes. I was, I was it was really at a point where I was afraid to eat anything because any bite would lead to a binge, which would lead to a purge. And then I'd go on the restriction cycle and the addiction cycle, again, as is so described um, in the doctor's opinion, and just throughout all the stories in the book. I feel the uh, a line that really sums up where I was at is on 297 in the back of the book. Um, it says, if I could only stop the thinking, I wouldn't drink. If I could only stop the drinking, maybe I wouldn't think. But they were all mixed up together and I was all mixed up inside. And yet I had to have that drink. So that truly was where I was at. It was just all I thought about. Um, my higher power led me to my therapist because I had no idea about OA. And I really thought, 
oh, I know about eating disorders, but I don't think anyone is like me. <laughs> I don't think anyone is constantly hating themselves and constantly thinking about food. So I, so I went and found a therapist who I thought would help me with my anxiety issues and my depression and maybe the food stuff would kind of be solved that way. Um, and by the grace of God, my therapist is in a way herself. And I'm so grateful for that because it didn't, I didn't go right away, but I went, I went to my first meeting in, um, like I said, November of 2018. I think it's such a godsend to have these pages to discuss with you all today, because these are the exact pages that I would um, turn my nose up to when I thought of the big book um, before actually working out of the big book. Uh, I didn't even want to open it up, let alone work the steps exactly as written. And so I didn't, I didn't for a while um, that I was in program for. I've never even shared this before, but there's like a stain on the side of my, probably can't see it because of the lighting, a stain on the side of my big book because I just tossed it in the back of my car with takeout, I think. And it, it, and I love that now because I do not behave that way. And I've come a long way. I've come a long way. I, I would not, I take, I take care of this book now. Um, and I take care of myself now and God takes care of me now. And um, so I just, I wanna convey today what worked for me as a young female compulsive overeater trying to identify in with words of um, older, uh, men with a drinking problem with text written 80 some odd years ago. So getting really just like going right into the text that Amy so wonderfully read. Thank you, Amy. Um, it, it talks, you know, it, it says um, that drinking, pardon me, okay. It says, after a few years with an alcoholic, a wife gets worn out, resentful, and uncommunicative. How could she be anything else? The husband begins to feel sorry, lonely for him, lonely, sorry for himself. And that to me, <laughs> I it speaks about, you know, um, looking to the girl who understands. Now, I don't think I have to explain why um, before that would be kind of a thing I couldn't relate to. But now I see, I see that in my disease, I was... Um, so alienating um, myself or my disease was so alienating. Um, I, I did seek out people while I wasn't in a marriage that I was unfaithful to my wife in. I didn't want to hear it from anyone who I felt judged by. I wanted to connect with people who understood. I, when I lost, I didn't mention this, but I lost about 90 pounds when I was bulimic, like within months. I I had a friend who was concerned. She said something along the lines of, you don't look like yourself. Like, are you okay? I was offended. I was like, they're so jealous of me. You know, I just, I didn't want to hear it. I wanted to be with people, binge eaters or just people who I didn't feel judged around, even though I was truly just judging myself. Um, another line that I identified in with, um, undoubtedly we should admit our fault and I'm on 81. Um, this to me has been a huge, at first it was very hard and now it's a really big joy for me because I, I mean, it's just so drilled down into our heads, what, how, you know, we were the victims, you know, we ran the show, the, the play, uh, was directed by us and starred us. I was always a victim and I 
could manipulate anything into a negative um, like attack on me and everyone was out to get me and I don't feel that way anymore. But in order to get to that place, I had to do a lot of self-reflection and working with others and my sponsor and um, fourth steps and, and tenth steps. And um, what, what I heard initially that really helped me was, and I think it was on a podcast from this meeting um, about if, even if I'm 99% like in the right, if you will, and I have 1% role to play, I have to take ownership and acknowledge just that 1%. And then like the reality comes in that usually I have one more than 1% uh, role to play in a situation. And um, my sponsor is, I owe so much to, um, we were just speaking how on, if you do the fourth step, the way of the columns, how column two, um, what, why I've become like resentful, um, the cause of my resentments and column four, my part, they can both, be true and that's so it's a comfort to me to know that like yeah Kira you you know people have done things that were hurtful but also yeah you've done things that were hurtful too so it's just I'm only looking at myself and taking ownership for that and looking where I can change and because of that I get to exist a lot more peacefully in the world because I don't need to change anyone else I desperately need to change myself but I you know I desperately do not need to change anyone else um and that Uh, feeds really well into um, on the bottom of 81 our design for living is not a one-way street to me like yes it's not a one-way street because my actions have um, an impact on others but on this um, I'm only taking um, ownership of my side if it's not a one-way street then I'm only cleaning up my side of that um, of that and that's how I, you know, exist harmoniously. Kind of jumping back up, it says, we are sorry for what we have done and God willing, it shall not be repeated. When I was making my amends, I wasn't throwing out promises I couldn't keep. I wasn't saying, oh mom, I'm so sorry for being sarcastic and never cleaning and um, to my friends all, you know, just, I was taking ownership for what I did and and I was, um, um, I try my best every day, like not to do that, but I'm not going to make a promise. I can't keep, like, I, I genuinely try to live up to ideals and in alignment with my higher power, but, uh, I am a human too. What I will say is I've changed a lot and I don't seek to cause drama or to, you know, get back at people. But if I do, you know, I bring in a 10th step and I turn it over and I, I pray like, pray like crazy. Um, Uh, flipping to 82. uh, I just love that it talks about loving kindness because that makes me think of um, a a guided meditation that I enjoy doing about um, the Buddhist loving kindness meditation, just like compassion for yourself and for others. And that makes me think of all the things that I pursue that work for me. Um, For, you know, I can walk outside in nature and I feel close to my higher power. I can read a prayer now, you know, I can read a prayer from the Bible and think that's, that's lovely. That sounds great. Or I can do a Buddhist med, you know, just like finding what works for me to allow me to feel close to my higher power. Um, let's see. So now this gets into something I can um, really align with the way my program um, worked for me on 82. It says, um, 
the only thing he needs to do is keep sober. It says sometimes we hear an alcoholic say the only thing we need to do is keep sober. And for me, that was my experience. I mentioned earlier that I hadn't worked the big book for a, a about a year and a half into being a program. And I've been absent since November of 2019. So a year after I came into program, I, I got abstinent, but I only started working the big book or was shown the big book this past summer. So my abstinence for a majority of the beginning was based in fear, you know, fear because I love service. I didn't want to give up my service commitments, fear of taking that first bite that would lead to the binge, which would lead to the purge. So I was abstinent. I had some kind of conception of a higher power, but it wasn't a spiritually driven program that it is now. So just, you know, just putting down the food is not enough. While it's very important, it's like the first thing we have to do, we need, you know, the power to flow in because we are powerless. Um, and I think that's echoed again. Um, yeah, just it, I think that's echoed again in the last paragraph um, of my reading on the bottom of 82. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. We can't just stay as dry drunks. Um, we have to work the steps and give service to others and um, just like, you know, try our, try our best. Um, I think the, I would be remiss not to mention the tornado uh, roaring his way through the lives of others. I really, really thought that me, you know, driving to several fast food restaurants a night, um, just so it didn't seem like they were, it was, it was all going to go for me. I thought that was just affecting me. You know, I didn't think I had an effect on people the way I now see I did because what the food did was it pulled me away and made me dishonest. And that's why the amends are so important. Well, first, you know, acknowledging and becoming aware of what we did and then making the amends is so important because I, I do play a part and I, and just in the past, how I could hurt others and did hurt others. I try to now um, help others and give love to others. And because I came into program with no love for myself and I felt the love of others as I was trying to form a relationship with, you know, a universal love and a higher love of a higher power, I try to do the same for others. And it comes very freely to me. Like I'm very grateful for that. And gratitude comes very freely to me because I know the way I lived was just full of despair and darkness and it doesn't, it's not anymore. Um, um, the, the last, the last line, uh, it says, to his wife, he remarked, don't see anything the matter here, ma, ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing. Again, like at first I kind of rolled my eyes. I even searched up that line and there was a, there was kind of a nasty blog on that line. But what I see in that, um, someone ranked it like their least favorite <laughs> quote from the big book, which I don't agree with, but I just think it's to me telling me I can't, I can't just sober up, stop eating, and then think everything's okay. Like I have to, I have to bring in the spiritual work and um, the work with others in my life. And I like that it mentions the farmer because it makes me think of um, tending and weeding the garden every day, you know, with my 10 steps, with my 11th um, step with sponsorship to others. And um, literally I grew a garden this summer with my, um, father back at home. And if, the, if I went a week without 
weeding, it was a nightmare. It was so painful to do. But if I went out every morning and just, you know, what I'm getting to is if I stay in fit spiritual condition and I'm praying and um, not letting 10 steps build up or anything, I can just live easy, like in an easygoing way. So with the last couple of minutes of my time, I just wanted to speak about um, what my program does look like now in these like weedings of the garden <laughs> um, in my day. Um, what's really, in, and I'm so excited to hear the shares that are coming up with uh, like 10th and 11th steps because I flip to these pages every day. Um, I, I am turning 25 next month. Um, so like I said, I've been here since 22 and I'm really like getting to grow up. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting to grow up in program and I'm getting to learn how to, you know, the, with the outreach calls I do with others, I'm learning to, you know, um, and speaking here, these are skills I never had. So one, I'm feeling like content on the inside and two, I'm also then learning like practical, useful skills and just living in a harmonious way um, in this world. <laughs> um, so to do that, I, I do have a, a morning routine with my prayers. I end my night with my reviews. I have partners for all of these things that have been just amazing getting to like connect with people all over. I sponsor three people right now who are all younger than me, which is so such a blessing and just in line with identifying in and also I, I get to meetings such as this I, and podcasts and they're just such great resources. I also make action plans and wonderful yeah, tools in my day. Um, but identifying in as a young person or you know anyone could be sitting here and saying, well, her story doesn't sound like mine and this book does not sound like me at all. Um, I would, what I would say, what worked for me was just like, but what if like, what if it did? Or like, let me just, just to prove a point, let me just try to see if I could kind of open up my mind, could anything make sense? And yeah, did I kind of take some liberties with the text today? I did, but I feel connected now, you know? And I, when I feel connected, I feel a part of, and when I feel a part of, I want to like do what I can do to um, connect even deeper and, you know, work the steps. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so connecting in. So for me, a big thing that helped was um, maybe I couldn't uh, align with how your disease manifested, but I could hear the pain in your voice. I could hear the struggles you went through and I didn't you know, go through a, a hurtful divorce or lose my house, but I um, lost friends and I missed job opportunities. So no matter your age or your size or anything, I promise like this program can work if you keep an open mind and um, you try. And I've, you know, I have a lot to say on all the steps and just how, how much we gain by admitting we have so little control and so little power and, and no power. Um, when I really just took that first step, it wasn't like I then became, this is something I've been exploring. I didn't become powerless the second that I admitted I was powerless. I've already been powerless I never had the power with food, but when I take that first step and admit my powerlessness, then the help, the power can come in. Um, if I'm just stubborn and, and you know, for whatever reason, I'm not calling anyone stubborn, I'm calling myself stubborn, I'll say that, but I'm just saying, 
keep an open mind and try to identify in. And I, I know I have about a minute left and I, I think I'll just end it there with um, this program means everything to me and my life is completely different. And I promise you, I would not be talking to 151 people right now um, and, or would be able to. So I've, I've changed through my higher power and through hard work. And um, I don't, um, I just encourage it to all of you. <laughs> Thank you, I'll, I'll end there. <laughs> I'm going to ask Carol to stop the recording.